0: I want to minister this morning on miracle-working faith, miracle-working faith, the faith that brings miracles. Now we are Pentecostal, and because we're Pentecostal, we recognize the promises of the Lord Jesus when he said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We believe that is for today. It didn't die out with the apostles. We believe that the same sort of miracles and men anointed of God are in the church today. Now, faith is a great part of the spirit-filled life. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And being fruit, it means it's the product of the Spirit working in our lives when we deliberately give ourselves to walking God's ways. But faith is also a gift of the Holy Ghost, one of the nine gifts. It's a power gift. When God miraculously moves on somebody and they have faith which goes way beyond what is natural, what a person might have in the Lord to believe incredible things and God uses them. In the early church, they were told to choose seven men. The apostles told the church to choose seven men and they chose an exceptional man amongst the seven. This man of faith was called Stephen. And it's interesting what the Bible has to say about Stephen. Stephen. The disciples said to the, to the, to the uh, church, Brethren, look you out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And it goes on to say about him, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. What was the difference between Stephen Stephen And the other six deacons That he could be endowed with such miraculous power And I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost today The same question Should be asked of the church today We're often told that if we believe strong enough If you believe strong You have this great faith in God That God will do miracles Through us like he did through the apostles just believe, believe strong enough. In the Bible school, when it's SPBC, when it first started, there was a, a class taught on evangelism. And the preacher there said that he prayed 12 hours a day, every day for a year, that God would use him in the miraculous, that he have a powerful ministry. He fasted often through the year as he prayed for that. And the end of one year, there was no difference. He never received the power that he sought, though he prayed 12 hours a day every day. The fact is that this formula of just believe and it will happen doesn't work. We've been around Pentecost long enough to see that, that there's something different to just believing strongly and it will happen. Yesterday, people are being converted from troubled, wicked lives. But they are few in number considering the many preachers and saints who are evangelizing around the world. Now God is saving, and I thank God for that. Just recently I was on Duan Island, which is up near Papua New Guinea, and we baptized seven in Jesus' name, and three received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit fell in a wonderful way. Just a couple of weeks ago, went to the funeral of brother patrick singleton one of our first indigenous pastors and a faithful man of god but around about that time we had some services and another a few more people repented one more being baptized a few weeks after that in a work in indigenous work south of townsville and we baptized another one in jesus name so in just these few places god is still drawing people and we hear reports from overseas of greater numbers but somehow it just doesn't seem as strong, as powerful, and as big as what happened in the, in the church of the apostles. To understand this puzzle, we should understand what faith really is. The answer is in what faith really is. And I hope that this morning that our confidence in the Lord and our faith will be increased and that God will do greater things through us. There's several aspects to faith. And first, faith we talk about comes from John chapter 3. This is the faith that saves. This is a unique, wonderful faith. This is a faith that says, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. There's no other God but He. That we will surrender our lives to Him, to walk. that we will walk in His ways. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him, that word means faith, comes from the same Greek word, which means faith, whoever has faith in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now this faith was preached to Nicodemus. It's part of a a teaching that Jesus had to Nicodemus. A lot of people take that verse on its own, they isolate it, as though John 3.16 was the whole gospel message. But Jesus said to Nicodemus that he must be born again of water and of the Spirit. This spoke of baptism of being immersed in water while the name of Jesus Christ is being called over them, and then they would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And always in the Bible times and every time today when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit comes into them and they're worshiping the Lord, they begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gives the power. This is the f- first faith. Faith has many uh, aspects. That there's different hues to it. But this, is the I believe, is the most important. It's saving faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe I was a sinner. I believe there's a judgment day coming. And I believe I needed my sins washed away that I can stand blameless before Jesus Christ. That's His promise to all of us, to the whole of mankind. It's all found in Jesus. The Apostle Peter preached this on the day of Pentecost. The Lord said to Peter, He said, Peter, I am going to give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, he said that specifically to Peter. Now, what the keys do? They lock and unlock. And we're aware today that keys are more than just those metal things that we put in our, our front door or in the, in the vehicle. Keys are also passwords. Passwords you put in a PIN number. A PIN number is a, is a key. It's the key to access your money in the bank. And Jesus gave Peter the keys and that, Those keys were knowledge and he said I'll give you the knowledge to the kingdom of heaven And Peter did not fully understand what all that meant until the day of Pentecost When he was filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time when he'd been speaking in other tongues And some of the Jews started to mock and others said what does all this mean this speaking in tongues and Peter being empowered emboldened anointed of the Holy Ghost, he stood forth and he said, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. And with great authority, this man who denied the Lord three times, he spoke and he said, hearken unto me. Hallelujah. And then he come to a place. He said, you Jews, you've crucified the Christ, the anointed one, the one that Israel has been looking for for these thousands of years. He said, you've crucified him. And they were convicted at this. And said, men and brethren, what shall we do? This was so serious. Now normally, if a Jew in Jerusalem was sorry for what they'd done, they were convicted, they'd have run back to the temple. And they have offered sacrifices. But they didn't do that. They knew that the priests and the scribes were the ones who had caused Jesus to be crucified. And so they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles. And the answer is coming from Peter and the rest of the apostles. The answer comes from Peter who was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He said, repent. Let's just give up on your sinful life. Turn around and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I'll tell you something, when Peter said that, I believe he almost blew that lot away because they knew about this Holy Spirit. It was so holy, he resided in the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could go into that presence once a year after bringing sacrifices. And he said, you can receive this Spirit. Wow. All that is based upon faith. And Peter, he used the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says that day there was 3,000 added unto them. 3,000. But that was just the entree. Because a short time later, another 5,000 were saved. And actually I think it was 5,000 men. And if you extrapolate that and you add it all up, the wives, the children, when they went home and told the rest of the family, that was possibly 25,000 came into the church at that one time. Lord, we want to see that. We need to see that. But I'm talking about the f- saving faith. The next faith Was defined by Jesus and this is a faith it's dealing with some teaching of Jesus which we look at too simply we take it as face value but when we look at it it does something for us and brings us closer to miraculous faith Jesus taught on faith and he said to the disciples and this is how it happened he said take care what you're saying you're doing if your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. If a brother or sister does the wrong thing to you by you, says the wrong thing, he said, rebuke him. Notice that you can correct your brother and sister. Now, we're not talking about some little slight, some imagined thing. We're talking about something serious that may have been done wrong to you. Maybe they slandered you. Maybe it made a false accusation. Or you lent them your car and they damaged it and just treated as nothing, didn't return it. You know, they've done something serious. He says, if they've done wrong, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he does wrong against you seven times a day, seven times a day, turn again to him and, and he turns to you and says, I repent, and you shall forgive him. Now, I know that the disciples got thinking. He's telling me to forgive him. he causes me trouble. I don't like that person. They're always a fault. I'm always right. So the disciples said to Jesus, the Bible says, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And all the Lord was talking about, is loving your brother, your sister, forgiving, getting over it, and getting on well. Increase our faith. But Jesus' answer. The Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now a sycamine tree was a mulberry bush A mulberry tree, not a bush, a tree And it's interesting that Jesus wasn't near a fig tree Because usually when Jesus was talking about sin He used a fig tree Because the fig was the type of backslidden Israel What did Adam and Eve cover, cover themselves with? A banana leaf No, oh, that's what I would have chosen But they used the fig leaves To cover themselves and became a type of in Israel. The prophets talk about the naughty figs. There was a time there the Lord gave a parable about the gardener who came to his fig tree and hadn't had fruit. He said, these three years I've come looking for fruit, there's none there. That was the length of time of Jesus' ministry into Israel. And he said, dig it out, get rid of it. But the gardener said to the farmer, he said, um, just give me one more year. That was getting into Jesus' fourth, minist- year, fourth year of ministry. So give me one more year. And if it doesn't bear fruit, then, then you can take it out. Then there was the time that Jesus came to a fig tree to get fruit. And this again is type of coming to Israel. He come for fruit, there was none. So he cursed the tree and it died. And this was what was to happen to Israel for the, the Pharisaic Israel, under the Pharisees, with their kind of ter- interpretation of the law. Then there was the time when Nathaniel was under the fig tree. And God said of him, Behold, a man in him is no, is no guile, there's no deceit. He was under the fig tree. What? Fig tree, the type of Israel. He hadn't become corrupted By the corruption of the nation. But Jesus wasn't talking about a fig tree. He was talking about the sycamine tree. But I want us to notice the wording here. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree. Now this sycamine tree is long gone for us. What the Lord was talking about, the sycamine tree, the big problem was this the faith to be able to forgive their brothers and sisters and to live with them. That's what the sycamine tree is. It's vital that we know this. How often we've told that if we have great belief that we will say to a tree to be physically moved and it will be cast into the sea. Now we've got a big tree in front of our yard. Maybe I should try it on that tree. I mean... I actually talked to somebody the other day, I said cut it down. So the tree is actually the challenge to be able to forgive that troublesome person in the church that we don't have a high opinion of. If you don't have a high opinion of somebody in the church, you'd be more likely to offend them. Find it hard to overcome, to overcome your bad feelings, forgive them. So Jesus went on to say this, but which of you, having a servant ploughing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, when he's coming from the field, go and sit down to meet. He's he's using an an illustration of a farmer, he's got a farm worker, but he does more than work in the field, he's also a house servant. So he says, when he comes from the field, will he say to him, go and sit down and relax and Rather, wouldn't he say this? When he comes from the field, make ready that I may eat. So get yourself ready, get dressed up, get cleaned up, serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you shall eat and drink. Doth this man thank his servant, because he does those things that were commanded of him? Jesus said, I think not. So likewise ye, when you shall have done all these things which are commanded Come on, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Fundamental, basic, living for God. It's not what we do for God, it's what we do for one another. It's the same when we give to the Lord of our tithes and offerings. You can't give it direct to God. You've got to give it to men. The woman that gave the two two mites, she gave that... That uh, a quarter of a penny's worth in those days. She came and she gave it to God, but had she give to God, she put it into the treasury that was in the temple in those days. We serve God through serving the church. When you've done all these things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. This is fundamental. You're getting nowhere if you can't do this. This is our starting point. You know, when we're first first, uh, born again, we first come to church, we're like little children. He talks about that, being babes in Christ. And, you know, when you come to the church, everybody else is a spiritual giant. Oh, they know so much of the Bible. So spiritual. Speaking tongues and and the the worship leader, everybody. Oh, we're, we're just amazed. Everyone's like angels. But then we become spiritual teenagers. We know more than the pastor. They said, unless you accept the kingdom like a little child. Now we're talking about faith. The disciples said, increase our faith. And here Jesus is teaching how to increase their faith. Now when we read the Bible, we have a tendency to read Jesus' words, his teaching, Then when he goes to a miraculous deed, we look at it as something separate. But Jesus' miracles were actually an illustration of what he has been teaching. And so it goes here. Jesus taught them about how to be profitable servants. Then this happened. As he went to Jerusalem and he went through Samaria and Galilee. Now they were untouchables. They were people, the Jews had nothing to do with the Gentiles, uh, to the Samaritans and the Gentiles. And Jesus was passing through that way. And it said, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers. And they stood afar off and lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. (laughs) Their leprosy left them. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, the Bible said. He was a half Jew, half Gentile, mixed race. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where's the others? They've not returned to give glory to God. Save this stranger. That word strange in the Bible, by the way, whenever you're reading and it has the word "stranger," it means foreigner. In Australia, we would call him a foreigner or a new Australian. This means there's not a Jew. He said, there's none. Return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to him, go your way. Your faith has made thee whole. What was his faith? This one, when he was healed, turned back with a loud voice. He glorified God, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And this was the man who said he has faith. Now, it didn't take faith to be healed. I know we marvel sometimes at the faith of some of the people in the Bible. The blind men cried out, Hear me, Jesus, our son of David. It didn't take much faith. These lepers, they had an incurable disease. It was a a death sentence. It didn't take faith for them to cry out to Jesus to heal them. None at all. Because Jesus was a great healer with a great reputation. The Bible says multitudes followed him. We read of one multitude he fed. There was 5,000 men besides women and children. They followed him. There was 10,000 where Jesus went there wasn't half a dozen or a dozen people following him. There was a great crowd, thousands of people, and he was healing, opening blind eyes. I tell you something: if a preacher like that came here and he had a proven record, a hundred percent record, I tell you, we will be going there with everyone. We've got all the families, the people we want saved. We wouldn't bring in them, hoping they'd be healed. We would know they would be healed. You see uh, the, the misunderstanding. We have so often people say he had great faith. No. When you go to a doctor, you generally believe he can fix you. When they came to Jesus, they knew that they would be healed. Like when a man raises the dead, opens blind eyes, heals heals the lame, and does it to, to hundreds of people continually, you know what's going to happen. What was this man's faith? It wasn't his belief that he would be healed. It was that he came and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked God. You just imagine as he thanked him. This wasn't 20 words and five seconds. I tell you, he was weeping, he was rejoicing, he was praising, he was thinking, he was holding on to him. Oh, Jesus, thank you. And he went on and on, and the crowds gathered around. They all witnessed this great sight of this dirty, leprous man. He'd been a beggar. He was a dirty man in his physical sense. But all the worship, and Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. I'm talking about faith this morning. God's talking to us about faith this morning. And this followed directly after the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. I'm talking about faith that works miracles. I want to just summarize summarize here what faith is. First, there is saving faith. Faith, that causes us to turn away from the flesh and the world to walk in the ways of the Lord. We give up the sins and we begin to live righteously. We're born again, sins are washed away. And uh, we receive the Holy Ghost. That's saving faith. Second was the exercising the fruit of the Spirit to love our brothers and sisters by being forgiving. And third is worshiping God for who He is and what He has done for us. This is not small with God. This is great faith. Now this kind of faith is only possible through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to love one another, to keep going and living for God. The most outstanding explanation of the dynamic effect of the Spirit in a saint's life is found in the epistle to the Ephesians. And I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, I think we can bring it up on the screen. You're not ready? That's okay. We can look up on our own Thanks, brother. The most outstanding explanation of the dynamic effect of the Spirit in someone's life is found in the epistle to the Ephesians from chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm talking about faith now. Verse 16. That he, that is God, would grant you, that he would give you according to the riches of his glory. What's God's glory? It's his love for us. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his power. It's his forgiveness. So according to the riches of his glory. It's a, it's a word that covers everything that is good about him toward us. And it's rich the riches of it. He has a great store of this. There's no end to it. That we might be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Sister authors, would you please come and stand up here? Would our Mary brother, brother David, would you come and stand up here please? on this step, and turn around and face everybody. Thank you. You're right. Now, if you was waiting to get on the bus, and you saw Sister Authors there, you would think, there's a little old lady. Hmm? A little old, frail little old lady. She looks frail, a bit old, doesn't she? But you know what's inside her? She's big. She's strong. This brother, that's his livelihood, is being big and strong, which he uses with intelligence. Is that right, brother? (laughs) But that's his livelihood. He's a big man. He's a strong man so though a sister looks frail on the inside in the spirit she is strong she is big she is mighty when she walks she can feel the ground rumbling under her feet amen thank you brother thank you sister and so it is with everyone that is full of the holy ghost We so often think about the Holy Ghost, it's like our membership card. Oh, I've got the Holy Spirit. And we preachers, we want to see people refill with the Spirit. We're not content to just fill. We want to be refilled. And we look, yes, they've got the membership card, but it's not just a membership card. It's a power. It's a dynamo inside of us. So he says that God will grant you, according to the riches of His glory, that you'll be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That's the Holy Ghost in you. We're not talking about something fantastic out there. I'm talking today about what's in you. You're a powerhouse. You know, the the snowy mountain scheme, which pumps all that water from the snowy river, and pumps water everywhere. When you look from outside, it looks so nice and clean, and it doesn't look like much is happening. Might you hear the hum of the, the dynamo's working, but they are powerhouses. Great power pumping water to so much of the eastern coast around Sydney, Melbourne area. Well, that's what is working in us by the Holy Ghost. There is a power, and it's alive. It is working now. Then he goes on to say this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, some some churches don't understand how to be saved. They say, believe and you're saved. But the Bible says here, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Christ dwells in your heart when you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit in Christ is not in you. Now, it doesn't mean you're a pagan just because you have not received the Holy Spirit, Jesus said to the disciples, I am with you and shall be in you. And the Bible says that no man can come to God except the Father draw him. And you might be in a spiritual situation now where you want to live for God, you're drawn to come to church, you are a person who reads the Bible and you pray and you you love God. But if you're not born again, He's not in you. And He wants to be in you. And it's a totally different experience as having the Holy Ghost in us rather than the Lord drawing us. <laughs> then He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, again, this faith here is misunderstood so often. He isn't dwelling in us just because we think, yes, He's in us. And what's this faith? It's by this faith he's talking about is walking in God's ways, living a godly life. That's living by faith. You can think all you want to, you can think good. But when we love one another, when we praise him, uh, that's living by faith. Uh, and so Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, some people have been backslidden, and they said, oh, I've always had the Holy Spirit. I can always feel him in me. No, uh-uh. He dwells in you by faith. You know, when people get backslidden, you know, it's like you're driving your car and it's, it's a, a rainy day and, and you, you don't put on the air conditioner and the windows are up and everything gets foggy. You, you can see things, but it gets foggier and foggier until you do something like turn on the air conditioner or, or give it a wipe. And that's what happens when people get backslidden. The power of the Spirit. The the Spirit withdraws for those that walk away from God because He dwells in us by faith. Thank God for that. I'm not preaching this to bring condemnation. I'm preaching this to realize the value of what we have in us through the Holy Spirit. And it says that, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, brother Frost. Remember what you said yesterday—that we are, that we are rooted and grounded in love. How's, it, how's that? If you, God is love, and if you have the Holy Ghost, you have the power of love in you. That's why we can forgive. That's why we can be reconciled to one another by this. That's why we don't carry we don't carry vengeance, and we don't carry hate in our hearts. Because we have the spirit of love in us. So being rooted, that is our roots going down into Jesus Christ. He is the rock that we're built upon. So we're rooted and grounded in love. It's the fundamentals. You know, the fruit that comes off a tree depends a lot on the soil it's in. And it depends on what minerals are in the ground. It affects the flavor of the fruit. And our flavor is love. Because we're rooted and grounded in love. We haven't received the spirit of fear. We haven't received the spirit of hate. We haven't received the the spirit of vengeance. The spirit of love. So you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend or or, or apprehend, get a hold of, with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ. It's multidimensional in every way possible. That you might apprehend, understand it, experience it. The breadth, length, depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. How can you know what passes knowledge? You see, it's not a head knowledge. When you experience it, you know it. My pastor was a Scotsman, and he used to say, it's better felt than tellt. And that's what it is. It can't teach you about it like when you experience it. Then you say, now I know. Oh, if only I had this spirit before. Now we're we're reading here about the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Not a little bit. All the fullness of God. And what's his fullness? Not the fullness of the Godhead, not all the Godhead in us. But we have received of His love, of His majesty, of His grace. Hallelujah. Of His righteousness. That's what a, a, a bit of everything that God is. When we receive the Spirit, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. The love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, gentleness, all these things. There's nine of them. I hope you're beginning to understand. Well, you may understand I'm telling you some you already know, and that's all right. God wants us to understand really what is in us. It's not just a membership card. It's the power dynamo that is working in us. And all your faults and your personality defects and the characteristics, the things that you wrestle with, God has empowered you to overcome them. And you overcome them when you recognize them and you want to change. And then when you're struggling with it, God brings you to circumstances that will try you, that will stretch you until you are faced with those things that are in you that need to change. And then you admit, yes, uh, this I need to change. I need that out of my life. I need this in my life. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the most wonderful teaching about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, and I want you to note this down mentally or make a note, it's Ephesians three sixteen to 21, and you meditate upon that in your own devotion times. Just look at those individual words. Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say, ha, there's another scripture that's misused so often. Now, by the way, I want to say misused. They've been used, but not to their full potential, which is recorded. They've been doing good. And then he goes on to say this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. This is talking about the spiritual power you have. It's not talking about the church's miraculous power. We're so often, we're led to believe, well, God will look after that circumstance. He'll do above you, ask or think, you want to build a church, you want to do this or do that. God will do that. He's not talking about that. He's talking about according to the power that works in us, your worst problem you're dealing with and your personality, you've got the power to overcome it. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Did I see a 17-year-old preacher? No. But by the working of the Holy Ghost in Him, God has made him what he is today. Some of you young people here, and maybe you look and you look, you might think you're right, but your brother's not so hot. But he'll fix you about your situation, your shortcomings, your weaknesses. He will do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power That works in you. It's working. Are you responding? Are you letting the power loose? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you confronting yourself? Are you confronting your problems? Are you acknowledging there that needs to be changed? That God's will will be done in your life? It's not good enough to say, oh, that's just me. God's dealing with just you. Hallelujah. 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 then the closing verse on that chapter says unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. In other words, all of this be glory to God in the church by Jesus Christ. He gets the glory. And Brother Butcher knows many times I've spoken of what God has done in me I was poorly educated I hated school I got out as quick as I could I went, went to year 10 15 years old finished I lived a wasted life drinking, gambling I used to love it fighting all those things just a wasted life and so what I am now I am because God has changed me. I could not change myself. I was going to a church and I was trying to live for God, but the police didn't cooperate. They arrested me for driving under the influence and speeding. I was so ashamed of myself. I was trying to live for God and I couldn't, I couldn't stop smoking. I used to try to stop smoking just for my health reasons. Couldn't stop. So what I am, I am by the grace of God. I can't claim any praise for what has happened in my life. And so it is in all of our lives. But we can't finish here because unfortunately there's a chapter break. And chapter breaks in the Bible are often in the wrong place. This would be better if there's no chapter break here at all. God didn't put them there. They did that about a thousand years ago, a thousand years after the Bible was written. They put these chapter breaks and verse breaks. And they break through ideas. They break the flow. So we're going to continue with the flow in chapter 4, verse 1. And there's one word that proves this is all tied together because it starts off with the words, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. The, the Lord. The word, therefore, it means because of what was written before, because of this Holy Ghost power, because of what is working in us, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, I plead with you, walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, hallelujah. You are worthy. You are worthy hallelujah you were made worthy hallelujah hallelujah he's made us worthy acceptable we don't have to come before god and think oh god i'm I'm unworthy oh jesus he doesn't want us like that we don't like to see our own children like that we want to see our children with confidence We want to seal children going on well. And Jesus wants us, his children, hallelujah, to be confident and feel free before him. No guilt because the sins are washed away. If there's no sin before God, there is no guilt. So he said, I plead with you, walk worthy. Now he says, walk worthy. You've got to do the right thing. Of the calling, wherewith you're called. And there he tells us how to do it. We're talking about faith here. With all lowliness, that's humility. Humility is thinking of your brother or sister as better than you are. They deserve better than you. With all humility and meekness. Meekness comes into play when somebody threatens you and you want to argue back, you want to fight back. Meekness is okay. No problem. But you, you did this yourself... That's okay. Let's pray about it. You go and pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. Meekness, not arguing back, not casting accusations. So many marriages break down not because of the basic problems, is because they, they they lack this this meekness and they hurl insults at one another, accusations, and they go backwards and forwards. And so they're incurable, they can't be healed because of a lack of meekness. And if husbands and wives will be meek with one another and give space so that they allow that the husband can make mistakes, that he'll realize that she can make mistakes instead of holding insults or criticisms, but being there to help and encourage. So we do this with humility and meekness with long-suffering. The word you can just change around, it means suffering long. You've got to put up with some stuff. Recognize that some of your brothers and sisters are new in the Lord. they may be not as strong in the spirit as you are. They might be dealing with tougher situations. You know, often in the church, people don't appreciate that the pastor hasn't done anything about that problem. And from their perspective, they think he should say this. Why oh, he could put them down. He could say that. He could do this. He could do that. But he knows things that others don't know. He understands the spirit behind things. And that's why we should be long-suffering. We might be dealing with an immediate circumstance but we don't understand what is behind it. The problems they're dealing with, the sicknesses, the persecutions. And so if we are long-suffering, remembering that God has been long-suffering with us, forbearing, just holding back, one another in love. i am talked about faith. Miracle-working faith. Then he goes on to say, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But all of this talk about the Holy Ghost, about the power that's in us, the fullness of God that we have, being strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, it's that we would walk worthy of Him with loneliness and meekness and long-suffering for bearing one another in love. That's where, as they say, the rubber meets the road. That's where it comes together. It goes from theory to practice. Right there. I'm talking about faith. The faith that is produced in our lives by the Spirit when we obey God. This is the faith that Stephen had that produced miracles and anointing in his life. I've not preached this so much as I'm to see the world changed but as a way to please God. That's our our desire. We want to please the Lord. Amen? want to please Him. So I'm not preaching so much as the, the method to have world evangelism to turn the world upside down. But this is the way to increase our ability to live righteously, to witness powerfully, to know what God wants us to do. If we do these things, and this church can see more of the power, more of the healings, more of the signs and the wonders, and above all, many more being drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to more receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, to see a bountiful pouring of the Spirit from on high. This is faith that works miracles. Would you stand? It's all very nice when the preacher can say, well, do the simple little thing and God will do it. If you believe, God will do. No, it's up to each one of us individually. If we would live this way, we'd probably halve the amount of work the pastor has to do. Follow the Spirit. Follow the leading of the Spirit. I'm ministering about faith. Oh, we, we look up to Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost through whom God did mighty miracles and signs and wonders. The Apostle Paul and Peter. And how we cry out for those things today. But the answer doesn't come in much prayer and fasting. The, pr- the answer comes in our, what's in our hearts and how we relate to one another. The ability to forgive to uplift, to encourage. But all this works by the anointing of the Holy Ghost that dwells in us. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you want the Holy Spirit, that you can live that strong life of faith, then you can receive that Spirit today. If you will reach out to Him, God will fill you with the Holy Spirit now. Today, and if you have the Holy Spirit, you have been born again living for God, and you are struggling, and it just seems that uh, living an overcoming life seems so far away, seems so hard. Well, a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost is what you need. It's that God wants to fill you again, He is our Heavenly Father. And He wants to dwell in us. He wants His Spirit in us. Your own natural Father can't come into you. But our Heavenly Father, by the Holy Ghost, comes into us. It empowers. It brings love. It brings a love and a help and understanding for one another. And this is offered for all of us today. If you want the Holy Spirit, there are preachers in the church here. They will pray with you. Hallelujah. They are men of God. They know how to to. Uh, bring you through, to lead you through until you are filled with the Holy Ghost. When you've never received the Holy Spirit, if you've been praying for a while, it seems the hardest thing to do to get the Holy Spirit because you can't do it for yourself. But God will give this, it's called the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will fill you and when He does that, He fills you with His love and with His power. Oh, when we are all walking in the spirit what a powerful church we have whereby god will move in a greater way in signs and wonders in the holy ghost if you want to be filled with the holy spirit i invite you to come to the front now if you have been filled with the Spirit and you want to be refilled with the Spirit, I invite you to come to the front, to come to this altar area and the ministry and the church will pray with you. This is the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life. It's better than your marriage. It's better than graduating from university. It's better than getting that great job with all that money. This is God in you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. While people are coming, I want to pray for a few moments. You just come, as, just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I know God is drawing. I know God is leading. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're in your church. Lord, and your Spirit is filled this place. Lord, you are moving on our spirit. Heavenly Father, you have done a wonderful work, O Lord. And I pray that this time that you continue to move. Lord, you would deal with each one in their own particular need. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint. I pray you would lead. Lord, Lord, I'm asking that you would fill with the Holy Ghost. And Lord, for those that are holding back, they're unsure, Lord Jesus. But Lord, Lord, I pray that they would just follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Overcome the doubt. Overcome the holding back. And Lord Jesus, just to move with the Holy Ghost that you will bless them at this time. And Lord, for those who have never had their sins washed away, that Lord, today they can have their sins washed away. Hallelujah. To make made right and clean and pure in your sight. And so, Lord, as we continue in your presence, as we worship you, Lord, your will be done at this time, I pray, in each life we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.